All right. Well, good morning again. Great to be with you as always. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Um, I want to uh, first just by saying, uh, start by saying uh, thanks again uh, to, to Nate for his teaching last week while I was in Pyeongtaek uh, preaching to our, our church family there. Um, I appreciate Nate uh, very much, and I'm definitely going gonna to miss him. I'm going to miss him, but wish him well. Uh, you know, uh, I've, I've been reflecting uh, a lot uh, the past couple weeks. Uh, first of all, uh, I was thinking just even a couple of days ago, like, I cannot believe, I really, I cannot believe that we are in the month of June. Um, time just seems to, to move so fast, doesn't it? Uh, but I was also just thinking that I honestly, I, I can't believe uh, that we've been dealing with all of these issues and restrictions uh, revolving around COVID um, still. Uh, it's been those of you who haven't been counting, some of you have like a calendar maybe, like on your, like a prison wall, you know, you're checking the days. So you know right away the days. I don't know the exact number of days, but I do know it's been 17 months, 17 months now uh, that we haven't been able to gather all together uh, as a church family. More than half of our, uh, our gathering um, is, is home um, and every, at any given Sunday. So that's, that's just amazing to me. Um, but through this whole season, um, I think I, I was making sure that my heart was in the right place last night as I was kind of wrapping some of this stuff up. And I can sincerely say that through this whole season, I've done my best uh, to be really real with you. Uh, I've casted vision when I felt like the Lord has clearly given it. Uh, I've told you when I felt like the Lord was calling us into a season of, of prayer. Um, I've told you uh, when weeks have been hard and when, you know, maybe people oversee, like, we need prayer for this or that, or there's a season we need more people to serve. Um, I've told you that when I'm excited, when my, when my spirit has been uh, renewed and refreshed. And, and currently, you know, I was thinking, especially the last couple of weeks, um, I've been in a really interesting season, really interesting place. Um, I'm sincerely excited for what I believe that the Lord is going to do in us and through us uh, in this next season together. There's a lot of big things um, happening uh, uh, starting in the fall for us. I'm so excited about that. I'm excited for all the people that God has brought in this season, new people who are uh, ready and willing to be a part of our community and and ready to jump in and serve. I'm so excited about that. Uh, But at the same time, at the same time, um, when I really take the time to stop and, and think uh, and meditate, um, just again to be really real, uh, I'm also, I'm excited, but also really tired. Really tired. Uh, and I believe that a lot of you can relate to that. Uh, these 17 months, um, in one way, uh, have gone by so fast, so fast. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it seems like it's been forever, uh, and it's been really draining. It's been tiring uh, physically. It's been tiring emotionally. It's been tiring socially, um, just not being able to meet together. Um, and it's been, of course, because of all that, it's been tiring spiritually as well. And I think what's made this season all that much you know, ha- more harder is that, that just in, in general, even before, even before all this pandemic stuff, just in general, we are, we tend to be a really tired people. And of course, um, there are all sorts of reasons for that, right? Sometimes we experience a significant trial or a tough circumstance in our life that, that leads to burnout. 
Other times it's financial stress or it's a big decision that's coming up that you're just not sure which way to turn or what to do. Maybe it's your job, like you're so drained from your work. Maybe it's a relationship that's weighing you down that maybe you just got out of or maybe you need to get out of and it's just, it's just making you tired, right? And we know, we know, of course, all of us know that our culture uh, is very aware of this, right? We all know this to be true. It's the reason... It's the reason why the energy drink market does so well, right? It's the reason why in Korea, like, every convenience store, it's, like, vitamin C drink or, like, ginseng. Like, just you're popping it like it's free, right? Like, all the time. That's just so common, right? It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that people drink coffee. You know, some of you drink it because you, you love it. Some of you drink it because you, you need it, right? It's one of the reasons um, that, the, that sleeping pills and all the marketing to how to get a good night's sleep, like, Pillows and mattresses and all that stuff. That's why they do so well. It's so successful, right? I saw on social media uh, recently, and you know, it's funny. Like Google, Google hears everything and knows everything. I'm being convinced by that more and more. I'm researching rest, like this topic, like two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden on Facebook, like I get this ad, and of course, you know, like I didn't scroll by. I'm like, oh, what is the, you know, what is that? I got suckered in. It's crazy. This like. There's this new, maybe you've seen this, maybe you have it, but there's this new mask that, um, it's like a blackout mask, and what you do is like, you, you put it around and it goes around the, the circumference of your whole head, right? So you put this thing on, and it covers your eyes, but it also covers your ears. And the, and the point is, is that you can't hear anything, okay, and you can't see anything. And so you're left in this place of just like total darkness, right? It just... So, like, the advertisement, this guy, like, in New York City, sitting on, like, the, he's sitting on, like, a park bench, and, like, all these people are, like, whizzing by him on a bike, and he's just, like, there in, like, this, like, trance, right, in this thing. And the advertisement's, like, if you just wear this for, when you're, when, you know, for five minutes a day, like, you'll be refreshed and renewed, you know? And I was, like, how much is that thing, you know? Uh, and on there, uh, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it yet. Um, but, but again, right, the reason for all of this, the reason for all of these things is because, So many, so many of us are living our lives physically tired. So many of us are living our lives just totally drained and and weighed down by life. And on top of that, right, it's not difficult enough, on top of that, right, we know this as well, that our culture, our culture not only tends to celebrate, but in some ways honor tiredness, doesn't it? And you know how I know that's true? You know how I know that's true? Because I'm sure like me, I'm sure every time someone asks you this question, hey, how was your day? Or what did you do today? You either list off everything you really did, you scramble in your mind in like like 0.3 seconds to make sure that that person thinks you did a lot, or you feel guilty telling them that you didn't do too much. There's almost like a pride, a, a pride in being tired, right? And at the same time, in our culture, in our society, there is guilt in being still, in rest. And so today, I want to talk about this idea of rest, finding rest, and the reality that you were actually created to experience rest. You were not created to be tired. You were not created to be worn down all the time. And so in that, as we talk about rest, I hope to encourage us all to be intentional about finding ways, times, 
and seasons to slow down, to, to be still, and to allow the Lord to refresh and to restore our souls. Now, uh, to cover this topic of rest today, uh, I'm going to be jumping around the scriptures a little bit, which um, for those of you who call this church family home, you know that's not really typical of our gathering and not really typical of me to jump around the scriptures a lot. We typically um, prefer to work through books of the Bible verse by verse, taking them in their entire context. But uh, because this is just one sermon, to get a, a full picture of this, right, uh, in just like 45 minutes to an hour, it, it, it's tough. And so it's going to require a bit of an overview. So I hope you have a copy of God's Word today because we are going to be flipping around a little bit. And so I want to start with the question. This is basically our starting point today where we launch from is, is this idea of why do we rest, right? We, to, before we start talking about how and what it is, um, we have to know why do we even do this? Why should we pursue rest in, in the first place? And actually, this goes back way back, all the way uh, from the beginning to creation. The the Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created uh, everything. He created the heavens and the earth, and that he did that amazingly. He did all of that in six days. And then, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, this is what the word of the Lord says. Look at this text with me. It says this, And on the seventh day, God finished his work, that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so God creates in six days. He works during those six days. And then on the seventh day, it says he rested. And that's the Hebrew word there. Um, It's the word Shabbat. Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath from. Sabbath. Sabbath. It means uh, to rest, or more literally, to stop or to cease from what you're doing. And so this is what God does on the seventh day of creation. And let's understand this as well. It's not that God needed to rest, right? God wasn't tired or weary or drained from all of his work, right? We know that he is all-powerful, that God never grows tired, that he actually, the scriptures say, he never sleeps. And so what this means is that God made a decision. He chose to do this, that he made a decision to pause, to stop, to rest, even when he didn't need to. And in that, in that, it says here that God blessed that day and made it holy, which you should underline or keep in the back of your mind, okay? He blessed that day and made it holy, which means, right, you might think of it this way, that God, we'll say it this way, God wove Sabbath, God wove rest into the life or into the rhythm of creation. There is work, and then there's rest. There is work, And then there is rest. God gave us this example in his creative work. And so that's how we are called to function as his creation. That's how we're called to work. That's how we're meant to live. And so this is the way of creation. This is the way of creation from the very beginning. And then 
it's interesting. You turn from Genesis to the second book of the Bible, to the book of Exodus, and you see this concept, this way of life, this order further solidified, written to the same group of people. If you remember the story, I'm sure most of us are familiar with it, but just sort of the abridged version really quickly, the Israelites, we know, they're held in captivity by the Egyptians. God liberates them from their slavery. They're journeying through the wilderness, wandering through the desert, and they're on their way to Canaan. They're on their way to the land that God had promised them, the promised land, which is the land of rest. They're on their way there. And as this is happening, you can sort of imagine this scene. Moses is leading these people, millions of people. Moses is in charge, and he's introducing these people to God. He's telling them, teaching them what God is like. Right? They know in their minds, they've seen even that God is their savior. They've experienced the reality that God is their deliverer, but actually they don't know him that well at this point. And so Moses is teaching them. And then in Exodus chapter 16, we, say, we see that God says this. He says this, Exodus chapter 16. He says basically this. He says, I'm leading you all through the desert. That's what I'm doing. I, I'm the one leading you. So follow me. I'm leading you through the desert. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to feed you. That's what he says. It's really nice of him, right? I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide manna for you. Manna, by the way, it's like a seed, okay? You can rub it between your hands, and you could grind it, and then you can make bread out of it. That's what manna is, by the way. So some of you are like, I ruined your childhood because you imagined like loaves of bread coming from heaven. It wasn't that. It's just seed that would come from and appear on the ground. They had to grind it and work and actually make it themselves, okay? So it wasn't like a cheeseburger coming out, right? But God says, here's the thing. I'm going to provide this seed, this manna for you. But here's what's going to be a little bit unique. On the sixth day, what I need you to do is gather twice as much manna. Because on the seventh day, I don't want you to gather anything. I I just want you to stop. I want you to rest. There will be, I'm telling you, there will be enough food in six days to feed you for seven. So don't work. Don't gather the seed. Don't grind the seed. Don't bake. Just sit. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And think about me. Rest. And in verse 29 of that chapter, here's what God says. He says this. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was a gift. It was a gift. The Lord gives his people a day to rest. Now, I want us to understand this part. This is really important. Notice here, Really important for us to get. Notice here that rest, actually, rest is a form of faith. It's a form of faith. Resting is a form of faith. And what was the faith? What was the faith? That if I'm still, 
if I don't work, if I don't work, I have faith that the Lord will still provide for me, that he will still feed me. I trust that if I stop, the Lord will give everything to me that I need. That by choosing to rest, it was saying, I have faith in you, Lord, that you know how life works best, that you know what I need, that you are my creator, and therefore you tell me how I have joy and, and, and find peace and, and, and rest and flourishing to the full. By pausing, by resting, it was a sign of faith to the Lord. So we see again then, we see again, rest, it's woven into creation. God creates us to rest. He wants you to rest. And then rest is an act of faith. Now, the interesting thing is that from here, I guess this wouldn't surprise us, but the Israelites don't listen. So God's like, here's what I want you to do. Don't work. And they do. <laughs> Some of you are like, how foolish, right? Like, if God was like, take a vacation, I would take a vacation, right? But they don't. They still go out, right, on the seventh day to work and to find food, to gather more for themselves. Why? Because they lacked faith. And so, so what does God do? Well, he could have just been like, all right, fine, no more food, right? You're done. You want to get food for yourself? Then take care of yourself. But he doesn't do that. From there, God in his incredible mercy, incredible grace, not only makes rest a rhythm of creation, but he makes rest a rule. He makes it a law as part of his covenant. He's almost like forcing them to rest for their good. So in Exodus 20, just a few chapters later, we have the Ten Commandments put together. But before this, there is no law. Right? There is no law. There's just principles on, on who God is and how we should live accordingly. But then we know Mount Sinai, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. He receives the Ten Commandments. Those things are put together. And what does it say about the Sabbath? Starting in verse 8, Exodus 20, verse 8, says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, female servant, or your livestock. All your animals get to rest too. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He tells them, he tells them, I'm commanding you now, take a day off. Rest was woven into creation. We were created to work and rest. But the people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't do it. And so God makes it a rule. You have to stop. And notice this as well. Really key detail here. In both creation and now here with the command, when it comes to rest... God says, 
I'm blessing this day and I'm making it holy. Okay? He says it in both instances. I'm blessing this day and I'm making it holy. In other words, in other words, this day is being given to you for your good and for your flourishing, for your blessing. And so what are you to do? Keep it, set it apart, make it not like the other days of the week. In other words, give it special attention and focus. He's saying, I'm giving this to you, asking you to set this day apart. And so it's almost like addition by subtraction. I'm giving this to you, but I'm taking the day from you. (laughs) Okay? Why? Because again, I know what's best for you. I've created you. You were created, designed, designed to rest. That's how I made you. And so I'm putting this command on you for you. That's what the Lord does. I told you that the Israelites are not good at stopping. They were not good at stopping, ever, really. And that's still true, right? Still true of us today. We just go, go, go. Go, go, right? Until we run ourselves totally, whatever, thin. I don't know what the word phrase would be. And so God says, God says, again, in his goodness, in his grace, he says, I want to bless you by making you stop. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, it might cause you serious harm. In fact, at one point he says, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, I will kill you. <laughs> so that's what he says. Now, by the way, they don't stop, and God in his grace doesn't do that. <laughs> Again, he's gracious to them. But he's saying, you need to rest. I know what's best for you. You know, I was, I was thinking about this. Like, how could I even illustrate this? And the best example I could think of would be like uh, buying a car and, and driving it without ever taking the time to stop and like, read the manual without ever taking the time to get it inspected, without ever taking the time to change the oil. Right? Your, your car might go for a while if you never stop, if you just keep going. But eventually, okay, eventually you know that if you just keep going with your car, just keep driving, eventually it'll break down. That after too long, your engine will just fail. It'll actually explode if you just keep going. Right? Your car, your car is designed to refuel and get the oil changed. And by the way, you can't change the oil while your car is still in motion. Some of you are like, I'm gonna try that, right? And you're gonna drive and try. You can't do it. It's impossible. The car needs to stop and to be at rest. Right? That's how the car designers right, made them, right? except for maybe Tesla. Right? He's a genius. <laughs> but that's how car designers made them. And, and we are sort of like that. God has made us, created us to rest so that we function properly and well. And, and certainly, certainly, there's a part of that that's for our refreshment and for our recharging. That's part of the purpose of our rest, so that we can be uh, re-energized and be fresh for the Lord, recharged for him to glorify him. But there's actually more to this as well. 
There's more to this as well. And we see that purpose, the purpose for Sabbath rest, made clear. Later in Exodus chapter 31, this is what it says in verse 13, the purpose for Sabbath rest. This is what the Lord says. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Listen, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And then in verse 17, there's more clarity. It is a sign, the Sabbath, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested, and here's the word, and he was refreshed. So again, we rest, we rest because it's a picture of what God did in creation and what he wants to do for us. But then notice he says also it's a sign that the Sabbath is a sign. A sign of what? That the Lord sanctifies. So in other words, he's saying the Sabbath is a sign that the Lord is the one, he is the one that rescues. He's the one that redeems. He's the one that delivers. He tells the Israelites, keep the Sabbath and on it I want you to remember that I am the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm the one who redeemed you. I'm the one that saved you. I'm the one that provided for you. Right? I parted the Red Seas for you. I took down your enemies. And know this as well. This is key. Know this as well. You didn't work for any of that. None of it. It was only by grace. Only by grace that I did that for you. So now, putting that all together, putting this all together, we see, we see then that the Sabbath was woven into creation for the purpose of building our faith and trust in the Lord, but also, but also to help us to pause and reflect on the truth that the Lord is the one who works for us. That we cannot rescue ourselves. That we are dependent, fully dependent on the Lord for everything. Well, now we take a bit of a, of a turn. Okay? A little bit of a turn here in this message. We've seen why we rest. God created us to rest. The purpose to rest, build faith, trust, pause and reflect that he is God, I'm not. He's the one that rescues, delivers, and saves. I can't save myself. It's, it's woven in creation. It's a command. That's the Sabbath. But what about today? Like now, it's July 2021. This happened thousands of years ago. And so what about, what about today? Are we still supposed to keep the Sabbath? Particularly as a rule? Right? Are we supposed to follow this? Are we supposed to do this? And that's where we turn to Jesus. So Jesus uh, comes onto the scene. Comes onto the scene. We know, of course, he's Jewish. He's an Israelite. And he begins to teach the people. Right? He goes into public ministry. He goes away for a while. gets baptized. He begins to teach people. And he is gaining a following. 
a very large following, actually. And of course, uh, being a skilled teacher, like that he was, he has all sorts of opinions, like every other rabbi, every other teacher. They have all sorts of opinions on the world and how it should work. Jesus is no different. And so because of that, it's not surprising that Jesus, being Jewish, would have a perspective, a point of view, when it comes to the Sabbath. And actually, we'll see, we're going to see that Jesus, he has a tendency, Jesus had a tendency to get himself in a lot of trouble. But he would particularly get himself in trouble on those rest days, on those Sabbath days. So we have to keep this in mind as we go into this. In Jewish culture, the Sabbath is a set-apart, it's put to the side because it's a holy day. God himself, by the way, God himself established this. And so, culturally, starting on Friday night, sun goes down, through Saturday night, when the sun went down, Jewish people were on Sabbath. They did not work, right? That was considered their day of rest. In fact, they were so serious about the Sabbath, so serious about it, that the Jewish religious people, what they decided to do, they got together and they created additional Sabbath rules to make sure that you didn't come close to disobeying the actual Sabbath rule. So there's keep the Sabbath, and then there's outer Sabbath laws and rules that we're going to create to make sure you you keep the Sabbath. So what did that look like? Well, for example, um, they decided, now who did this? I don't know. Um, But they decided that um, you were only allowed to take a certain amount of steps because that's considered working. And so they would literally, they would literally count their steps that day. One, two. So nowadays, you guys all have these Fitbits, I see, right? And that'd be easy for you. But imagine like, imagine on a Sabbath day, it's your day of rest. And every time you get up, you're like, oh man, I really want to Coke, right? And you're like, one, two, three. Like you take these big steps, right? You're trying to limit your steps because once you got past a certain amount of steps, you got to go to bed. You're in the bed. You can't, you can't move because you're breaking the Sabbath law. That's an extreme part. What's also extreme is that, especially for those who are like high up, teachers who had a lot of money, they also considered uh, if you were to light a candle, oil, put oil in your candle, light it and blow it out, blowing out the candle, that is working too. And so they would hire people to come at nightfall, to come and to light the candles for them. And then as hours would go by, they would, that person would come back and blow out the candles in the house because they couldn't work. So that's the culture. That's the context that Jesus steps into. And so here comes Jesus. And what does he do? Well, in one instance, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples... Uh, they're, they're walking through fields on the Sabbath. So they're taking steps, okay? Already, like you can imagine the Pharisees over in the corner and they're sitting down and they're counting. One, two, three, right? For all the disciples. But what they're doing is they're walking through the fields and on the top of these, you can imagine like a wheat field, on the top of them there's these heads of grain and you could eat them. You could eat them raw, actually. You'd pick them and then you'd rub them between your hands 
So you get off all the externalities, and then you could eat it like a seed, okay? And so what they were doing is they're walking through, and they're picking heads of grain, and they're rubbing it together, and they're eating. And so the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, they see this, and they're furious, furious. And they're saying, you can't do that because rubbing your hands together, rubbing your hands together is actually considered harvesting. You're picking, working, rubbing the grains together, and eating. So not only are you walking through the fields, not counting your steps, you're harvesting the field, which is work, which therefore you're breaking the Sabbath. And you consider yourself a great teacher of our people. And the people who are following us are not following you. <laughs> and to that, Jesus is like, I'm just paraphrasing here, but Jesus is like, hey, guys, you're, you're really, you're kind of missing the point. What you have done, he says, is that you've made the Sabbath burdensome when it was meant to be a gift. That's the primary means. It was a gift meant for your restoration, meant for your reflection, meant for your healing. You've taken this too far. And so Jesus presents them with a, a really good argument. But then Jesus does something else. Because he always does this. He always takes it one step too far. He says, not only have you done this, you've missed the point. In other words, you're a bad teacher. That's what he's saying. But he says, the son of man, talking about himself, he says in verse 8, for the son of man, talking about himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, that's about as radical as you can get. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But let me tell you another Sabbath incident that happens just right after this because it's all connected. So this is one Sabbath incident. And then maybe it's the next Sabbath, a week later. Maybe it's just that afternoon. We're not sure. But right after this, very shortly after this, we learn Jesus goes into the synagogue, which was normal for him. He's a teacher after all. He goes into the synagogue, and in that synagogue, in that place, the scriptures tell us that there just so happens to be a man with a withered hand there. He's sitting there. He has a deformity, okay? And so the religious leaders, they have this, like, aha moment. They get together. They talk, and they're like, we got him. We're going to trap him here. And so they ask a question to Jesus to try to trick him, to try to trap him. And they say to him this, okay, Jesus, let me ask you, is it right to heal on the Sabbath. Because, by the way, for them, healing is working. Right? But who would say no, right? And so, to that, Jesus is furious. Right? He rebukes them and basically says, how could you say it's not right to do good on the Sabbath? How could that even come out of you? Of course it is. And so he looks at the man and he says, stretch out your arm. He heals the man right in front of everyone. And then he like drops the mic and leaves. And we see Jesus would do this again and again. Again and again. The Sabbath was supposed to be a time to remember the people's freedom out of slavery, out of bondage. And so Jesus was setting people intentionally setting people free on the Sabbath day. And the Jews, they hated him for this. 
Right? They're so upset with him for eating on the Sabbath, for, for healing on the Sabbath, of course, for calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath. The Bible actually says this about their attitude. John chapter 5, verse 18 says this. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, son of man, Lord of the Sabbath, making himself, listen, making himself equal with God. And so what's ultimately going on here, by Jesus doing all of these things, right, what was his purpose? Well, by setting people free on the Sabbath, by calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus was telling anyone who would listen, and these religious people, and you and I, that the Sabbath was ultimately a sign. It was always a sign. But ultimately, it was a sign that was pointing to him. Jesus says, I have come. Now I'm here. Not just just to give you rest for a day. Not just to give you rest for a week, for a month. But I'm here now to provide you with permanent rest. You have been working so hard. You've been laboring to make yourselves acceptable before God. You've been living your life by all these do's and don'ts. You've been making all of these sacrifices, bringing all these offerings before the Lord in the temple. But listen, that's all temporary. And you know this, right? We all know this, that even your current, he's saying to them, even your current Sabbath rest is temporary. It's temporary. I know you're tired. I know you're worn down. I know you're weary, burnt out from the things of this world. And so I have come now as the Lord of the Sabbath to give you eternal rest. Jesus says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And now, and now the Father has done the same to me. He has blessed me and set me apart and made me holy and has brought me into the world. Why? Second Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 21 tells us, God made him Jesus, who had no sin, set apart, righteous, blessed, to be no, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus was blessed and set apart to be your sacrifice for sin, to give you joy, peace, and everlasting rest. Jesus says, in me, in me, there is complete and total rest. Rest from the labors of self-effort, from your striving. You no longer have to work, actually. You no longer have to work to find rest. You no longer have to strive for rest. I've done the work for you. See, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, it was always meant to show us that we need rescuing. It was always meant to show us, it was intended to show us actually, that we cannot save ourselves. 
during the Sabbath, the people, the people were to primarily actually meditate on their deliverance from Egypt. And they would all, all always think, when they thought about that, they'd always think of one moment every time. They'd think about the moment that they stood on the edge of the Red Sea when they were trapped. The raging sea is in front of them. There's nowhere to go. And behind them, Pharaoh's mighty army is coming to destroy them. And as they stood there, they were hopeless and helpless. Nowhere to go. And what does Moses say to them? Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Listen to these words. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Listen, you ready? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. And you, listen, and you shall hold your peace. And now, and now, what is Jesus' message to those who are at their end? To those who are tired, burdened, running on empty. It's these powerful words in Matthew 11 that we read during the worship. Now you can understand the context and why this is so powerful. Some of the most profound words in all of Scripture. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are labor and all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, the Lord of the Sabbath, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So do you want to find rest today? If you do, the answer is, it's simple, actually, but profound. Go to Jesus. <laughs> Understand that he is the only one who truly sanctifies, truly rescues, truly redeems, truly delivers. How do you find true and everlasting rest, permanent rest? You reflect on the reality you reflect on the reality that Jesus brought you out of slavery, that he saved you, that he provided everything for you in himself. And by the way, you didn't do anything for this, just like the Israelites. He did this for you totally by grace. Just as the Israelites stood still that day, they stood still and they experienced the salvation of the Lord. That's what you and I are called to do. Stand still and receive the grace of God. Experience salvation through Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. That's what's required to find true rest. You go to Jesus. That for those of you who are weary those of you who right now, you're in a season of struggling, you're burnt out, you feel hopeless, you feel helpless, you feel empty. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and experience peace. Come to me and be restored. 
Come to me and be lifted up. Come to me and be filled. You and I were created. You and I were created to experience rest. And because of that, because of that, there's an answer for your tiredness. If you want rest, true rest, go to Jesus. Now, what does that mean exactly? Go to Jesus. Well, Jesus actually tells us right there in the Matthew 11 passage. Still on the screen, I think. He says, if you want to go go to me, come to me. He tells them how to do that. Two things. He says, first, you need to take my yoke upon you. And then two, you need to learn from me. That's what he says. See that there? We won't exegete that entire passage verse by verse. We could do a whole other sermon there. Okay? But it simply means this. You need to depend on me. You need to follow me. Or, (laughs) even more simple, you have to have faith. Does that sound at all familiar to you? It should. From the very beginning. See how this all connects? I love the word of God. I'm very excited to say this sentence. From the very beginning, following the Sabbath required faith. To the Israelites in the desert, they needed faith to rest. They needed to trust God that if they stopped for a day, stopped working, that he, the Lord, would provide for them. And now, now, if you want to follow the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, what does it require? Faith. Trust. Trust that Jesus and Jesus alone can provide you with everlasting joy, peace, and rest for your soul. Trust that he is able to do that. Why? Because he is God, the one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for you, and rose victorious from the grave. So are you starting to get this? Is it kind of click? I hope so. Listen, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day was a gift to God's people. It was a gift from God to God's people. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given you the Sabbath. Why? For your refreshment and to build your faith. And now, and now, listen to me, now we have the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, who was what? Also a gift given to us by God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the Lord of the Sabbath. Why? So that whoever would believe in him, have faith, trust in him, would not perish, but have eternal life, eternal refreshment, eternal rest for your soul. And so back to our question now. Finally, we get to answer it. Do we have to keep the Sabbath today as a rule? Well, I'll let the Apostle Paul answer it for me. Colossians chapter 2, 16 through 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or what? A Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So the answer, it's a simple one for you today. Do you need to keep the Sabbath as a rule? No. The rule is over. Because the rule was a sign to point to Christ. The Sabbath was a shadow 
of the thing to come. Now we have the thing to come. Now we have Jesus. We have the substance, Paul says. In other words, having a Sabbath day today is now, it's a question of insignificance. It doesn't matter. right? If you want to hold on to that day, in other words, good for you. <laughs> Great. If you want to set aside a day once a week, once a month, once a year, whatever, to sit with the Lord, that's fine. By the way, that's Romans 14. You can go read it later. But if you don't, no problem. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Why? Because you're free. And let no one pass judgment on you for that, by the way. That's what Paul says. The Sabbath is a non-issue now. The Sabbath was a picture that was meant to lead you to Christ. So, the rule is over. Go to Jesus. If you've gone to Jesus, you've done the thing, right? You know, I said there's ten commandments, right? Ten commandments. Did you know, by the way, that in the New Testament, nine of those commandments are repeated, and only one of them is not, and you know what it is? Keep the Sabbath. It's no longer a rule for those on this side of the, of the, of the cross, on this side of the resurrection. It's no longer a rule. But listen, this is where we'll shift a little bit, and I'll just fine-tune what I just said. Because listen, the rule no longer exists, but, but the rhythm of creation does still exist. And what do I mean by that? Well, certainly we are spiritual beings who were created to rest. And therefore, Jesus came to give us rest for our souls. Right? That's ultimately what we've been talking about. You want true rest? Go to Jesus. And of course, spiritual rest always will lead you to physical rest. Right? Your physical rest doesn't always lead you to spiritual rest. But your spiritual rest will lead you to physical rest. But while that's true, we, we at the same time, we are spiritual beings, but at the same time, it is still true. While we're on this earth, we are physical beings as well. And so it is still necessary and healthy, actually, to find tangible times of regular rest. Right? Some of you, some of you, you're listening maybe online or you're here today, and you got a little nervous about a minute ago. Right? You're listening to all this talk about how Jesus is our rest, right? that you were no longer obligated or needed to keep a Sabbath, and you're like, uh-oh, right? does that mean... I can never take a break, right? If I just am with Jesus and go to Jesus, no more vacations, right? No more time off? Of course not, right? Of course not. I want to encourage you to do that. Right? You should do that. You should physically rest. Right? Did you know, for example, did you know that in the Jewish calendar that God created himself, by the way, established it himself, there were not only weekly Sabbaths, but several holidays where rest was required and involved. There were even required trips to Jerusalem. Like they would go camping in tents for like a week at a time, actually. Um, there were several non-working days for the Israelites, over 70, something like that. Okay? A lot of days off. Or with Jesus, right? With Jesus. He's doing ministry with his followers, his disciples. And he would say things like this. Listen to these words in Mark 6. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they're out there doing ministry. They're working hard for the Lord. Okay? The apostles returned to Jesus and told him 
all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and do what? Rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. So even the apostles, these individuals who some of us look to as like the super Christians, right? Jesus says to those guys, here's what you need to do. Rest a while. Sit down. Come with me. Let's go to a desolate place where no one can find us. And let's rest a while. And of course, we see this even with Jesus himself. You can read in the gospel accounts, you can see actually, you can find Jesus taking a nap, for example. Right? They'd be crossing the Sea of Galilee. He'd go to the lower parts of the boat and rest his head on a pillow, take a nap. Right? Beyond that, right, it says that regularly, the word actually is often, that oftentimes Jesus would get away to a solitary place to be alone with the Father. He had a rhythm of rest built into his life. And again, why? Why this? Why does he encourage his disciples this way? Why does Jesus do this himself? As the Lord of the Sabbath, he practices this rhythm himself. Why? Because again, he knew, he's telling us, this is the way to joy. This is the way to true flourishing in your life. It's finding healthy rhythms of work and rest. Work and rest. I want to share a quick illustration with you. Um, Mark, can you come up here? I made him nervous at the beginning. Um, We had a hard time, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to invite Mark up here. He's going to sit on the drums. Give him a round of hot applause. Yeah, Mark, good job. All right, right, awesome, awesome. He has no idea what I'm about to do, okay? He has no idea, so sorry, Mark. Um, No, Mark's awesome. A lot of you guys know Mark. Um, He, for a long time, was the guy sitting, you know, back here on a little box called the Cajon that I learned about a couple years ago. Right, cool, trendy, whatever. We upgraded the, this little kit for him, so I don't know anything about it. But anyway, it sounds really good, and Mark's a great drummer, and I'm very thankful for him. He uh, serves well and often. So, so what I want him to do, again, put him on the spot. I don't know, that last song, there was a pretty, pretty cool, chill beat in there. What I want Mark to do, I'm going to ask him, just for like, I don't know, seven, ten seconds, maybe a minute. No, I don't know. Ten seconds. I just want him to play... I, I, I'll say, let's call it a very rhythmic beat for us, Mark. Why don't you do that for us? Just play a couple seconds. Go ahead. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, now a different... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Now, I'm not a drummer. Trust me. Okay. I'm not. I've come up here because I have keys here, you know. When you're not here, I do. I come up here on occasion, and I try to pretend I'm Mark. I'm up here and practicing and trying to get to myself. I'm not really doing that. Never, okay. Uh, Mark, I'll leave that to Mark and the other people who are gifted. I'm not a drummer, for sure. But I do know a little bit about music. Yeah, I do. I played an instrument for a a long enough time to know a little bit. Um, And I know for Mark, just on the top of his head right there, to create rhythm to create rhythm up here on the drums, what's, what's taking place? What is he doing? Well, you could see, some of you are like, I don't know what he was doing. A lot of this. Right? I don't know. Okay. But if you pay attention closely, if you were to really slow it down, there's a series of hits and no hits, right? Hit, no hit, hit, no hit. And by the way, what are those no hits called? Called rests. And so, the principle is if you want good music, if you want beautiful music, if you want good rhythm, 
you need rest. And if you want a healthy rhythm of life, if you want to live a life of total flourishing, there is work and there is rest. There's work and there is rest because God created you to rest. And so what does that look like for you today? Uh, What are the rhythms of rest that you have intentionally and purposely built into your life? Physically, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, seasonally, what's your personal plan for rest? Have you built, have you scheduled rest into your planner? (laughs) Prioritize that. And then beyond that, ask yourself, ask yourself this this morning. Do you feel like you're, you're truly and genuinely experiencing inner rest in this season? Not that maybe you're just physically, I mean internal rest in this season. I mean, like, you know what I mean, those of you who follow Christ, like, that rest that just is in the depths of your soul, are you in that place right now? And if not, and if not, what does that say about your going or your lack of going to Jesus in this season? See, you and I, we're created to rest. And the ultimate solution to our weariness and our tiredness is go to Christ. Depend on him. Trust him. Follow him. And if you follow him as the good shepherd, he promises to bring you to still waters and to restore your soul. Let's pray together.